Hello, thanks for tuning in. My name is Joel Tillis, and you're listening to The Soul Trap. We trust that uh, this broadcast finds you in good health, good spirits, and most of all, as we so often say and always mean, we find you on that good and narrow way. It is a wet, a little bit cool uh, Monday afternoon here on the west coast of Florida. We have survived, I believe, Tropical Storm Emily. It came uh, in pretty quickly and left just about as uh, fast as it came in. We're a little bit wet, a little bit windblown, but all in all, we're safe and sound here. We appreciate those that were interested, praying, and concerned. And uh, the truth of the matter is, I'd rather try to uh, deal with the ramifications of a tropical storm than having to go through some of what you guys have to go through, those long, cold winters up north, digging yourself out of snow, black ice, sleet, all that stuff. I don't miss that from my time and living in Chicago, but... Nonetheless, we're here, and uh, I wanted to take just a minute and do not a lengthy podcast at all, but really uh, sort of an immediate response to uh, several questions that I've had from Soul Trap listeners. Many of you uh, follow the Soul Trap on Facebook, and we appreciate that, and I want to encourage you to do your very best to share the Soul Trap. We appreciate all the likes, but uh, sharing is what gets us out there, and so do that as much as you can. Many of you contact us through Facebook, and we have appreciated uh, several uh, of the emails that we've received recently, and you can always reach us at Pastor Tillis at suncoastbaptistchurch.org. That's Pastor Tillis at suncoastbaptistchurch.org, or you can message us directly as, as you do through Facebook. But uh, on both accounts, both via email and also via um, uh, Facebook, we have had several questions come up about the Mandela effect. Um, I believe not all that long ago, either we did an entire show or at least a fairly large segment of a broadcast dealing with the Mandela effect and some of the rumors of it. Um, it's a fascinating subject and it's fascinating for several reasons. It's fascinating not just because of the ramifications uh, if it is true, the consequences of the Mandela effect. Um, but it's also fascinating, I think, in the study of collective consciousness, in the study of the zeitgeist, uh, of that pool of collective thought that is out there and seems to be so easily shaped. And, and uh, if you don't know a lot about the collective consciousness, you can certainly uh, study, go no further than studying Bernays. What a, what a tremendous... Uh, manipulator of society that man was and the influence that he had on the Nazis and and even the way our politics is run today, our advertisement is run today. So there's a lot of interesting, fascinating sublets to this study of the Mandela effect. What is most fascinating and probably most disturbing is that if it is true, nothing that I'm saying to you right now about it will actually make it to you uh, without somehow or another being edited or affected from uh, either time travelers or um, uh, alternate universe beings that are able to uh, switch back and forth. In fact, my family and I have just started watching on Netflix uh, the show Travelers, and we find it interesting, fascinating. And so I've had a couple of emails and a couple of messages asking my opinion, my thoughts on the Mandela effect. And so I thought I'd take a few minutes at the beginning of the week and, and give you maybe a little brief podcast uh, food for thought, uh, share with you some things that I think when it comes to that, what my opinion is and, and why that is. It's fascinating. The Bible starts with time. It's really interesting when you think about it. The Bible says, in the beginning. 
Now, the following statement in the first noun of the Bible, or I should say the first proper noun of the Bible, is God, in the beginning God. And as a Christian, we fundamentally base everything that we are, will be, hope for, off of that great statement, in the beginning God. But it is interesting that the first real mystery of the Bible is the mystery of time, in the beginning. The Bible opens up with a time statement. That is the first mystery of the Bible. Now, to be sure, there are others. There are greater and far more important revelations and mysteries of the things of God. But the first one that we come to is the mystery of time. We cannot grasp time. We can't grasp and explain eternity fundamentally because we cannot grasp and explain time. Science bloviates about it a great deal, but no matter how long it circles the airfield, it never seems to be able to land the plane. It can describe it, detail it, and to a point measure it. But what is time? How real is time? And if you don't get that last question, you don't understand the complicated nature of the subject. If you were to ask a philosopher or a scientist, what is time? They would have a hard time answering the most basic elemental question that there is. The truth is, we have no idea whatsoever. In fact, if time is even a universal constant in reality, contrary to what some think, space, the supposed vacuum out there, which it is not, is supposed to, by some theories, interact with time and therefrom create new realities and other realities somewhat relative to our own. But all of that is absolute speculation. Clothed in the jargon of fact, hidden behind the pulpit of science, it's still speculation. In the end, we just don't fully grasp what and how time is or how it works, which is a paradox in and of itself because there is probably no more profound element to our lives and to everything that we do to the necessity of what it means to actually live, to the interwovenness of all that we are than time itself. Time is a fundamental element to everything that we are and do. It is so very fundamental that the Bible opens up with a time statement and closes with an, closes with an end of time. In the beginning, a statement of time. And then when we come to the book of Revelation, we are told there shall be time no more. Time as we know it will cease, and the dimensional time lapse, if you could use that word of eternity, begins. Time is so very valuable. Time is so very mysterious, and that is one of the allures, I think, of time travel. Time, more than anything else, is connected with happenings, occurrences, moments in time, so to say. Some good, many mundane and a few tragic. Tragic to one degree or another, yet every single one of us listening to the sound of my voice have something that given the ability, the power, however mysterious, however magical it might be, given the ability to be able to go back in time and change, there's not one of us that doesn't have something we would not change about time, about our past. It is the changing of these happenings that makes time travel so enticing. And it is telling that we couple the words time and travel together. We seem innately, whether we're scientifically minded or poetic minded, it doesn't really matter. We seem to sense without being told or proven so that time has an element of distance to it. Time, for the child, seems to 
be so long in unfolding itself. And for some of us, as we look back, it seems so quickly to have folded itself up and been put away. Memories lost forever in the distant desert of time. There is a distant element to time. Now, there are many theories of time travel out there. Some of them are fascinating. Some of them are intriguing. Some of them are spiritually based. And frankly, some of them are stupid. But the one consistent about the theories of time travel is that there is no consistent proof. None of them are provable, not even theoretically. And that in and of itself is a very fascinating element to the argument of time travel. In the modern voodoo science of proving everything through theoretical math, there has yet to be a convincing theory that can show how time can be recaptured or how a physical body may be hurled back into the recesses of time gone by. Even with voodoo math, it seems as if there is a vault to time. It seems as if there is a divine gate, a divine gate that cannot be passed, that time gone has gone forever, and time to come cannot be unlocked until it has come. All that there really is in the human experience that can be tapped into is this moment. Is there an eternity in the future? Absolutely. Every single Christian lives in hope of that promise of eternity. But can you tap into it? Absolutely not. At least it's not provable. Is there a time past in reality? Or has it been lost in the soup of nothingness? Absolutely there is reality in time past. In fact, one could argue that at the great white throne judgment or even the Bema seat, the judgment seat of Christ for Christians, that there will be an element of the review of one's time of one's life of one's reality and so there has to be some substance to the past but you i nor anyone else has the ability to tap into that now the other dimension the dimension of the spirit certainly has a different relationship to time than we do from the illustrative declaration of god seeing a day is a thousand years and a thousand years as a day, to Satan himself being able to show Christ the kingdoms of this world, the Bible says, in a moment of time. There appears to be a different concept, a different conceptual interaction with time in the dimension that is on the other side. But for you and I, we are locked in this time world as we see it now, unless somebody can offer proof, substantial proof, on how to alter that. The Mandela effect being one of the theories of time travel to some degree or alternate universes, which is basically a way of trying to make time travel work non-mathematically or mathematically, depending on how you look at it. But regardless, the Mandela effect has gained currency in certain portions of the zeitgeist because of this exact mystery and desire to conquer, bend, or to at least manipulate time as we know it. Now, I remind you just briefly what the Mandela effect is. An article by Ari Spool states the following, and I think it's a fairly good synopsis of the whole issue of the Mandela Effect. The writer states, the Mandela Effect refers to a phenomenon in which large numbers of people share memories of past events, or false memories of past events, referred to as confabulation in psychiatry. Some have speculated that the memories are caused by parallel universes spilling into our own, while others explain the phenomenon as a failure of collective memory. Still others refer to it as the alteration of history itself by those who are able to bend 
or adjust time. Now, the origin of the Mandela effect appears to be in 2010. A blogger by the name of Fiona Broom coined the term Mandela effect to describe a collective false memory she discovered at the Dragon Con convention. Now, that should always throw up a little bit of a red flag. I'm as big a fan as Comic-Cons and Dragon-Cons as anybody else. But whenever you start to get scientific discovery at Comic-Cons, you might want to rethink that. Nonetheless, she states that at a Dragon-Con convention, where many others believe that former South African President Nelson Mandela died during his imprisonment in the 1980s, that year, Broom launched the site MandelaEffect.com to document various examples of the phenomenon. She states, I thought Nelson Mandela died in prison. I thought I remembered it clearly, complete with news clips of his funeral, the mourning in South Africa, some rioting in cities, and the heartfelt speech by his widow. Of course, unfortunately, that never happened. On August 23, 2012, a post entitled Bernstein Bears, We Are Living in Our Own Parallel Universe, was published on the blog The Wood Between Worlds which describes a widespread memory of the children's book series Bernstein Bears as Bernstein, explaining the false memory as the result of an alternate reality spilling over into ours. In December of 2013, the Mandela Effect, there was a subreddit that was launched for discussion about the phenomenon. On November 29, 2014, the YouTube channel Shine the Light 73 uploaded a video entitled The Mandela Effect Exploding After 2014-15. It garnered upwards of 900,000 views and over 2,000 comments over just a three-week period. Needless to say, people were absolutely fascinated with the concept of the Mandela Effect. <clears throat> Some see the Mandela effect, effect as the ultimate conspiracy theory. On October 13th, BuzzFeed published an article highlighting various examples of the Mandela effect. And on December 8th, Reddit, uh, Redditor Carr, C-A-R-C, posted an infographic containing various Mandela effect examples shown and evidenced. There's the famous VHS evidence. On August 5th, 2016, a Redditor by the name of Diamond Ashtray submitted a post entitled Holy, and I'll let you fill in the next expletive, quote-unquote, found Bernstein evidence while packing. This Redditor claimed to have discovered a Bernstein Bears VHS tape with the name actually Bernstein appearing on the official label. Within 72 hours, the post gained more than 340 votes and 180 comments, all believing they had found some sort of proof of the Mandela effect. In the comment sections, Redditor Jump, Jumpsy Daisy replied that basic analysis on the photo showed no traces of digital editing. That day, the news site hit uh, heavy and published an article entitled Bernstein Bears Did Reddit Prove the Mandela Effect? Come to find out, they did not, and some believe that the actual VHS tape picture was altered. But who's to tell? There are various examples of this Mandela Effect. One of the most famous one is the Oscar Mayer Wiener versus the Oscar Mayer Wiener. Many people falsely recall that the American lunch meat company Oscar Mayer, M-A-Y-E-R, is spelled Oscar Mayer, M-E-Y-E-R. Others 
use the example of the Monopoly man's monocle. The character Rich Uncle Pennybags, also known as Mr. Monopoly or Monopoly Man, has never been illustrated with a monocle. And yet, if you were to close your eyes and try to think of him, you would assume that he did have a monocle. Then there's the famous Luke, I am your father. I actually ran this experiment on my son just this morning. Many falsely remember the villain Darth Vader uttering the line, Luke, I am your father, during the fight scene with the protagonist Luke Skywalker in the 1980 science fiction film Star Wars Episode V, The Empire Strikes Back. The problem is he did not say, Luke, I am your father. He simply said, no, I am your father. Now, these are just silly examples, and there are far more varied and more detailed examples. And like anything in the paranormal and the paradimensional, it has grown and grown and grown to become a sort of a cottage industry all on its own. But what is really interesting to me is that the Mandela effect has even, and here is where we really draw our attention, it has even been said to have affected the Bible. That the Bible has been changed and that there are certain things that have been altered within the Bible. And the question is, is that possible? Could that happen? If it is possible that aliens are demons in the powers of darkness, if it is possible that sky trumpets are battles taking place between heavenly armies, if there is a possibility that some of the paranormal is more than simply exaggerated imagination and eating too many anchovies too late at night on your pizza, if there is some reality to the paranormal world and other circumstances, the question behooves us, is there any bit of reality to the Mandela effect? And if the Mandela effect to some degree or another is true in the secular, is it possible remotely, even remotely possible, that the Mandela effect could affect the Bible? The answer to the question is very simply this. No, it does not affect the Bible. In short, let me state that I do not believe in the Mandela effect. Not even a little bit. Although that may sound strange to some of you coming from me because admittedly, I do believe a lot of strange stuff. And not only do I believe a lot of strange stuff, I'm willing to speculate and theorize about even stranger stuff. But the truth of the matter is, one of the things that the soul trap has always existed has been the pursuit of truth wherever that may lead us. And when something is not true, I think we need to be clear about it. And unfortunately, I don't know, I should say fortunately, I can state without any uh, equivocation whatsoever that the Mandela effect is not true and it certainly has no effect upon the word of God. This is one that I think we have to categorize simply as urgent urban legend meets internet folklore meets cool science fi meets stupid. Fundamentally, the word of God cannot be changed. It cannot be changed because it states that thoroughly. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven, the book of Psalms says. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. So not only does it state throughout constantly, Jesus said that uh, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall never pass away. The stability, the consistency, the trustworthiness, the faithfulness, the unerring, the infallibility of the word of God is over and over and over stated in itself more so than any other holy book ever dares to do. But not only that, from the religious side, 
from the actual dimensional side, I think it, it is very interesting because fundamentally, you'll note in that statement, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven, that the fundamental connection of the word is outside of our dimension. Now, what do I mean by that? What I mean is that the Bible is not a book from our dimension telling us about the spirit world. It is a book given to us from the other spiritual dimension telling us about the higher and eternal realm. The Bible itself is not subject to the time-space continuum that you and I are subject to because the Bible did not originate from this time-space continuum. Though given through the medium of men, it was guided and brought into our world from beyond. Its very nature, its very power, its very connection to our dimension is fundamentally anchored in the heavenly. It is settled, protected, and guarded by the eternal God. It states over and over again that it is the final and sole authority for our life and that nothing can change or alter what has been given via Scripture. It is, in definition, a spiritual book. And to suppose that you can alter it in time is to miss the very nature and origin of the book itself. The book is so closely aligned to Jesus Christ that in several instances throughout, throughout the Bible, in several instances, the book is synonymous as a living being. I also think that the memory is a very fragile thing. And what the Mandela effect is more of, truthfully, is simply a spooky or spoofy interpretation of normal confusion and collective consciousness rather than a satanic plot to undercut the Bible. And let's be honest most a moment. Is that really an effective and efficient means of satanic power? I mean, so very few people read the Bible in the first place. The Bible has so little effect on most people's lives wouldn't it be better served by the powers of darkness to go back in time and give us Facebook about two or three decades sooner? Why bother with something that bothers so very little people? Rest assured, beloved, that the Bible is the one sure and unmovable thing in all of life. There are no changes to it. Only wars and rumors of wars, many deceiving and being deceived in the end. But as for us that are believers, we can count on the word being certain and steadfast. And one day, as we are faithful to the book, we will enjoy the universal multidimensional reign of Jesus Christ, where the lion and the lamb will lie down together. Or was that the wolf and the lamb? Or was that the tiger? I'm just joking with you. Relax. Go watch the Bernstein Bears, have an Oscar Mayer wiener. Maybe even watch the Empire Strikes Back where Darth Vader says, Luke, I am your father. Or was it, no, I am your father. Or was it, no, she is your father. Who cares? It doesn't matter. I'm just messing with you. You can trust your Bible. You may not be able to trust the Bernstein Bears. You may not be able to trust Oscar Mayer wiener. And whoever did trust Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker. But you can trust your Bible. The Mandela effect is cool to think about for all of one one thousandth of a second. And then it's back to reality. Seeking the truth, living the truth, believing the truth. For the truth shall set you free. And God's truth through God's word is immovable, unchangeable, and forever settled in heaven. Let the blind lead the blind. Let you and I walk in the light of known scripture. 
God bless you. Have a safe and hopefully dry week.